Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everybody. How is everybody? Good? Well, my name is Yanni Samatolidis. I am a pastoral leadership major at Liberty University, and I am a part of Dr. Randy Spencer's experiential learning program, which is why I have the wonderful opportunity to bring the word to you all here today. And I just wanted to let you all know firsthand that you guys are all so kind, so welcoming, so hospitable, and couldn't be more excited to have the chance to dig deep in God's word and teach you all here today. It's also an honor for my fiance, Leah, and I to be here as well, because we're a uh, we're on a journey. We're going to be getting married uh, next summer, and we're on a journey of uh, really getting the chance just to practice ministry and to just work on our unique skills and talents, and we really appreciate you guys giving us the chance to do that. So before I go any further, I'd love if I could open us all up with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity that we could all have just to take a pause on our Sunday morning and gather, worship you, and hear your word. I pray, God, that today, that this passage we're going to go into, that it becomes alive to us, and that it not only makes a difference in our hearts, but that it bears fruit in our lives, and that we can learn to put it into practice this week. Jesus, thank you for the men and women here who have just a desire to come here and to spend time with each other and with you. And I pray, God, that if there's anybody in here that is yet to give their life to you, that they do so here today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Love. What a big word. We hear it all the time, don't we? When we come down the steps in our home and we see our husband or our wife or our children and we say, honey, I love you. (laughs) Or when we're driving with our family or with our friends and we drive by Chick-fil-A and we're just like, man, I love (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Or when we're shopping at the local food line and you're about to get into that parking space and then someone cuts you off and steals it and you just say, man, I just love God's people, don't I? (laughs) All jokes aside, love is a big word. So big that in the original Greek language, it has six meanings. And I'm going to read them for us all here today. Would you mind if you turn this mic off right here? Um, I'm having trouble hearing you, Johnny, so I think I need to use that mic. You want to use it? Should I just stay here? Would you like me to do that? All right, perfect. No worries. So love is a big word, and it has six meanings in the Greek language. I'm going to read them. They are eros, which is sexual passion, philea, which is friendship love, ludus, playful love, Pragma, long-standing love. Philautia, the love of self. 
and agape, unconditional love, or how I like to call it today, prodigal love. It is in this final sixth meaning of the word love in the Greek that many Christians and theologians believe that this is the exact meaning of the word love that best characterizes our God and our Heavenly Father. And where is one of the greatest examples of that love? Where is one of the best examples where we can see that prodigal, unconditional love really played out? My belief is that it is in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32, in the parable of the prodigal son. And many of us have probably heard of this parable before where you have a a rich father and two sons. One of the youngest sons comes up to him and says, Hey, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. The father gives it to his son, and the son goes off to a far country, wastes all his money, becomes broke, decides to get a job to make a living, but can't find the means to do so. And he decides to return to his father and hire himself to him. And when he's traveling back to his father's home, it says even when he was a long way off, his father saw him, ran to him, and brought him home and celebrated him. And as they were celebrating the return of his son, his older son, was frustrated and angry and refused to go in the home. And even as his father tried to get him to come inside and celebrate his brother's return, he refused to do so. This is a powerful parable, powerful story. And it's my hopes that as we dig deep into this passage today, we're going to uncover not only what that love of our Heavenly Father is, but how He gives it to us freely, not only in Christ, but every day. So how we're going to go through this passage is going to be pretty cool. What we have here is a parable. And if many of us don't know, a parable is a moral story, a spiritual lesson that often uses allegories or symbolism to bring about some big meaning. And oftentimes in parables, when Jesus would give them to those he was teaching, the different characters in the story would represent specific people or specific situations in his day. So how we're going to go through this passage, we're going to do a little character analysis, a little character study of each character in the story. And it's my hopes that we can uncover the big lesson of the love of God in that story. So before I begin and, and focusing on the younger brother of the story, I want to give you guys a quick context of what's going on. You see, in this time when Jesus gave this parable to those around him, him and his disciples were in Jerusalem. And they were performing miraculous healings, 
preaching repentance, serving a lot of people. And the people that they were serving were the dirty outcasts of society. They were sinners. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes of that day were mad, really mad. So mad that in verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15, we can read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. They were so mad that Jesus, this powerful man, was mingling with the outcasts of society. And then hearing them, Jesus responds with three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And in his response, we find out why Jesus loves and is mingling with sinners. So let's begin by studying the younger son in the passage. Let's go to verse 12. Let's see who this younger son represents in Jesus' day. Verse 12 says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. In order for us to understand exactly what he just asked his dad, we have to understand the Jewish tradition of that day. You see, in that time when a father would die, all of his property, all of his money, all of his possessions would go to his son's. The oldest son would get a double portion and the rest of his sons would, would get the, the possessions evenly distributed. And we find this in Deuteronomy 21. But all of this would happen when the father would die. So basically what this younger son is saying, hey dad, I know you're not dead yet, but right now you're dead to me and I want nothing to do with you. So give me your money, everything you owe me, and let me go on my way. Sounds pretty selfish, right? Pretty evil, pretty dirty. And then what does verse 13 say? It says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. He squandered his property in reckless living. So instead of taking all he just got from his dad and putting it into savings or putting it towards a home or something wise, instead of being a good steward of, his, of this money he just got, he squanders it. it means he wasted it all away. And it says he wasted it all away in reckless living. Reckless living meaning he wasted it all away at parties, prostitutes, anything that would have had no value to his life. 
You wasted it all away. This younger son is selfish, he's impulsive, he's arrogant, he's insensitive to his father, his family, he's reckless, he's lustful. So in this parable, who does this younger son represent? He represents sinners. Those who we consider too far gone. Those who believe that all of the things of this world, its money, its power, its fame, its prestige, everything that it has to offer, they believe that it can fill them and give them their hopes and their desires. So in this parable, this younger son represents sinners. Those who have fallen from the grace of God and are lost. So let's put this younger son to the side and let's keep studying these characters. Let's look at the older brother. Let's hop over to verse 25. Verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So right now, as everybody's celebrating, everybody's partying, we find this older son working. Sounds pretty dutiful, right? Pretty faithful to his work. Let's look at verse 26. It says, And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. So first he asks what's going on. Why is everybody celebrating? Sounds pretty nosy. Weird about what everybody else is doing. And then when he finds out that the celebration is for his ungrateful brother, he gets angry. So angry that he yells at his father, refuses to go in, and throws a big fit because he doesn't feel like he has gotten his celebration. And he throws this big fit because he believes he's put all this time and in the fields, and yet he doesn't feel his dad loves him enough. So who does this character in this story represent? He represents the Pharisees, the scribes, Sadducees, and the religious authority of that day. Those who believe that what they do earns them their right standing with God. Those who believe that their works determine, determine how much God loves them. These people are hardworking, yes. But from what we see here, they're nosy, they're legalistic, they're self-righteous. 
They're hard-hearted people. Living their lives like God is this legalistic taskmaster. This older son represents the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes of that day. So what we hear, so what we see here right now is there are two sides that Jesus is depicting. We have the high and the low of society, the sinners and then the religious Jewish authority. And now what Jesus does is he brings them together. He brings them together with the Father in the story. Let's see what the Father is like. If we can look over at verse, 20, uh, verse 17, and this is the younger son. Let's see how the Father responds to his younger son. Verse 17 says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. One of my personal favorite verses in all of scripture is verse 20. Because it says, while he was still a long way off, before he got everything together, before he cleaned himself up, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Didn't we just read before that this son told his father, you're dead to me, took his inheritance, squandered it all, and this dad runs to him and brings him home. One thing I don't want us to miss here, and it's another Jewish tradition of that day, and it's that people of nobility, people with power, wealth, because of their lavish clothing, their jewelry, how clean they were. When they got around, they didn't run. They sometimes walked, but they often rode horses, mules. And this father, when he sees his son struggling to get home, he hops off of his throne, breaks a rule of normality, and brings him home. And what does he do? He 
brings the best robe, he puts a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, they kill a, a fattened calf, they celebrate for him. This father redeems his son, he restores him, he gives him undeserved and unmerited favor. And what do we call that? We call that grace, mercy, forgiveness. What a loving father. But how does he respond to the older son? How, do we, how does he respond to this older son in the story? Let's look at verse 28. It says, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. See, when this older son throws this tantrum <laughs> and he yells at his father, he's basically saying, hey, what I do, all the work I put into the fields, my good behavior, my respect for you, all of that is supposed to justify this love that you're supposed to have for me. And then the father responds and goes, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. In other words, you don't have to earn my love. I give it to you freely. It's been here all along. You can already have it. This father is gracious, he's merciful, and he loves without condition. Or I like to call it prodigally. He lavishes his sons with his love and gives them what they do not deserve. So who does this father in this story represent? He represents God the Father, who's gracious, who's merciful, who's loving, who's compassionate, who's faithful. So what is the big lesson in this story? What is Jesus trying to say? What are, what's the point of all of these characters in this story? You see, the irony of this all is that the younger son and the older son, the sinners and the religious authority, they're all sinners. Clearly, the younger son and his actions and his behavior and what he does but also the older brother obviously his actions what he does they're blameless but his heart is hard because he believes that he doesn't need his father 
for the Pharisees. They don't believe they need the help of our Heavenly Father to be in right standing with Him. They believe that what they do is supposed to earn them that. They refuse to depend on the Lord. It's a big sin. So Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, you're getting mad that I'm mingling with these sinners and I'm welcoming them into my kingdom. But guess what? You should actually be celebrating because you're them too. And you should be really happy that I love you all the same. That despite your hard heart and the wrong they do, that I welcome you all into my kingdom freely. Through this character of the Father, he's saying, you're all dirty, you're all jacked up, and you're all messed up. But I have hope and I have a plan for you. And what is that hope and that plan? What is that in the Father's love? It's the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is as such. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. It's about time we all acknowledge that. (laughs) And then Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like even when we were messed up and we didn't have it all together, we were lost and struggling to get back home, God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect and sinless life, was arrested, lashed 39 times, was crucified on a cross, bore our sins, died, was buried for three days, and then rose again. And then Romans 10, verse 9 to 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, when you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he bore your sins on the cross and that he was raised again, when you believe and you have faith in that, you will be saved. That through the atoning blood of the cross, all your sins are washed away. And then through that, he promises the Holy Spirit who's going to help us overcome our sin every day. And you're probably thinking, hey, Mr. Yanni, why are we talking about this today? We hear this all the time. 
Well, I believe that, yeah, we hear it, we hear it all the time and we should hear it all the time. Because if we don't, we're gonna end up looking like either a younger brother or an older brother. If we don't hear it all the time, we're either gonna think this world has all the answers or we're gonna forget that we're sinners or we're gonna think that we can do it all on our own. In this story, I can relate a lot to the older brother. And Leah will tell you, I am in the, in the dictionary. If you pulled out a dictionary and you looked up what a goody two-shoes is, my picture would come up. <laughs> and oftentimes, just being like that, I often think that I can do it all on my own, that I can be perfect, that I can clean my mess up on my own. I wanna, and I wanna give you a quote by my mom. She's a very wise woman. Something she'd always say to me, she'd say, hey, Yanni, this was when I was in high school, she'd say, just because you don't have sex, you don't do drugs, you don't drink alcohol, doesn't mean you're not a sinner. You're a sinner just by believing you have it all together. Because none of us do. So it's my hope that whether you can relate to being a younger brother or an older brother, you're reminded that we have such a free gift in Christ. And that outside of these walls, when we leave here, we have power. We have hope that we can not only have for ourselves, but that we can give other people. A great example of that was that video we watched before. We can take this gospel and bring it to other people and transform the world. One person at a time. So it's in this story, the prodigal son, that we not only uncover what the love of God is, but we also realize that that love, it's who God is. God is love. And it's clearly his desire that we walk in that and that we display that to those around us every day. And I encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never heard this gospel before, that you give your life to him. Because I promise you, your life will never be the same. Amen, church? All right, let me close this time in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much, God, for this time that all of us here, Lord, could hear your word, your precious word. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
we have hope in him. I pray, Lord, that we can relate a lot with either the younger brother, the older brother, that we're reminded that we're loved, that we're forgiven in Christ, through our faith in Christ. I pray your hand of blessing over this wonderful church, that you touch each and every person in here, that you have your hand of favor over them every day, they walk with you more deeply and more intimately, and that they carry your light with them in everything they do. Jesus, we praise you and we worship you. We lift up your name. Thank you, God. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.